Um, yeah. So Bree, she put a haberdasher in her town. I bet you like you had three party members that the spent an hour and, 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 and like ordered, and ordered custom hats. hats. Custom fucking hats. You know, a, and good, the one, a good hat goes a long the way. The one is a centaur with a unicorn horn. They ordered like a Chiquita Banana Girl fruit hat. Do you mm. know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is the dumb shit in fifth edition that I'm fucking sick of. <laughs> you're not using this. I'm telling you right now, you're not using this. <laughs> I might. Old men rolling dice. Everyone is welcome at our table. Nostalgia is what we do. Good afternoon. I'm Jiminy Jason from Old Men Rolling Dice, and we're here today with the second episode of our World Builder Survival Guide, a little podcast where we take a look at the, the early steps or the fundamental steps of building your own homebrew world. And I'm here with my co-host, DM Jeremy. Hi. Hello. We're in for a good show. I think so. People, people don't always realize podcasts do this, but there's been like a half hour rant sort of crazy talk and yeah now we're ready i don't know if we we're definitely laughing and smiling there are some drinks being had we'll we'll see if we get through this this week's topic is going to be sort of the starting zone your starting village and how to populate it i think it's neat that you called it a starting zone because it's kind of that's video game it's video gamified i don't disagree with what you're saying i'm just like we're going to talk about towns and you know cities but you know to feed off what we talked about in the first episode of this, keep it small. A city is a big task. So, you know, go smaller and aim for like a town or maybe even a village. I always like to work in families as opposed to, opposed to populations. It's like, how many families live here? And that gives you an idea of like what they need to survive. Right. You kind of can you it's easy to picture what a family needs to survive as far as food, water and work, etc. It's true. And I think that the starting village or the starting town is actually sort of really iconic going all the way back to the early days of D&D. I mean, so many of us remember things like Hamlet, Saltmarsh, Orlane. And even today, what I think is one of the greatest villages they've created, Phandalin. Yeah, I, I'm sort of mixed on Phandalin, but I, I definitely think it serves what you're talking about. It's like. It's it's got everything that you you need uh, for a starting a home base. And in early D anD D, the idea of the sort of the home base being a spot of safety. In other words, the players can go back there and just rest freely. So you go back, you take you know you need three or four days of rest. The DM's not rolling for random encounters. Like the town is safe. That that's sort of like that's the that's the contract that you as a player and your dungeon master have made. Like, don't worry, I'm not gonna knock you out in your own town although you know town attacks are fun <clears throat> just sort of when you're starting out that that's what it's that's what it's there for it's to be a safe place for your adventurers to come back to if the t- if a village has maybe 12 or less families maybe a town has up to 100 families or 500 families and at some point it kicks over to a city right yep what should be in your town if you're starting to build a town well i always like to try to figure out like what it what is the town's purpose why is it there is it on a river? Is it on a road? Is it at a crossroads? If you can sort of figure out where it is, then you can kind of figure out 
why it's there. Like if it's at a crossroads, then maybe caravans stop here regularly to resupply, to have a, you know, a warm rest in the inn. To So, you know, a crossroad town probably has a couple inns, depending on how busy the roads that it rests on are. Right. If you're on a river, maybe there is a, a, a mill, you know, with a, with a water wheel and everything. Like they're utilizing being on the river. If it's a really big river, maybe there's a lot of fishing. Maybe there's a ferry service. You know, if you can figure out sort of where your town is geographically and why it's there, you can start to fill in a lot of blanks about what kind of things do I need to include. And again, keep it simple. You don't need four pages on why the baker has the best buns in the, you know, in those hills. You don't have to get into all the nitty gritty detail and the backstory. I'm not telling you, you know, if that's your thing, go for it. But I think most of us are just trying to, Make a location that the characters can. Do you think there's any sort into? of uh, like short list of standard features that are almost inclusive in any town or village or starting zone? Because yeah. I, I always think of like immediately like every, there's always a tavern or an inn. Sure, but just think about it. If you had a group of people living together, they would want a place where they can purchase spirits, beer, you know, a place to unwind. The and. If the if the town sees regular travel of any type, there would be an inn for people to stay at. I mean, these are just these are things that are there, but they're there for a reason. Like when you start to really think about that. So other things that the town, you know, just start to build out from there. Okay, so there is a tavern. So chances are it needs a brewery or a meadery, a winery, something in or close to the town. Or is it literally buying all of that from traders like there is no beer unless trade comes through. That can be an adventure in itself. <laughs> if the tavern runs out of ale, people are going to, you know, write that wrong. We're going to do that. There's a brewery in the town. So they need to get water. So maybe there's a river or creek that they draw water from. They're going to need, you know, some sort of uh, grain to make their beer. Now we need farmers with grain. We also probably need a barrel maker. A cooper. There we go. That, I was going to get to get to that. So there's a lot of cool names for people that like do jobs in sort of a medieval world. And maybe your world's not medieval, but I'm just Acheon is a medieval world and we're using Acheon as our example. So even though Acheon has some science fiction elements, the majority of the world is still a medieval world. So yeah, you've got Coopers, you've got Fletchers, you've got Tanners, uh, Smiths, the Smiths. most common. There's the town always has a smith, but really think about like people that go like I'm going to the blacksmith to have him make me a suit of armor. That's not what blacksmiths really did, right? They're He's doing horseshoes and nails <laughs> all day. Horseshoes and nails, and maybe fire pokers for someone, yeah. or like a, farm implements. Yeah, farm implements, and chances are repairing farm implements, yeah. like the blade on the plow is broken and I need a new blade put on. Things, things like that. You're not picking up a masterwork two-handed sword that he's just got hanging out back. I always think of Pirates of the Caribbean, the the blacksmith, and and uh, he is making weapons in that case. So, you know, it, if you have a bigger center, you probably have a blacksmith that can specialize in that. Uh, you, you've got people that make shoes, clothing. The one-stop adventurer shop bothers me. Like, like Walmart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably didn't probably didn't happen. Like you're buying your backpack from the leather worker down the town down the street. And then if you're buying rope, you're finding a rope maker. Do you ever think it was done for expediency? Because oh, absolutely. we've all been in groups or 
been that player or been with players who love nothing more than the shopping episode. Like you hit town and you know that the gameplay is stopping for an hour. You don't have to role play every point of sale. It's enough to just go, yeah, you go and buy your rope or yeah, you go and buy your candles or your torches or whatever. And the minute you role play the experience, they're going to barter. They're going to look for the cheaper deal and the rogue is going to steal something like these are just D and D tropes that are going to happen. Right. And the bard's probably going to flirt with somebody. They're, they're tropes for a reason. Right. I mean, there's a lot of people that's where they're getting their role playing chops. Mm-hmm. Right. Is I mean, cause a lot of times if you're dungeon crawling or hex crawling, this is all of a sudden that chance to, uh, to do some role playing. Right. Yeah. So you're making your town, you're thinking through why it's there. You're thinking through what kind of shops would be there because of what it does. But if you've given this some thought, I mean, it's just going to make your life as a DM a little easier. Like, what is this town and what does it do? Okay, so we've established generally a tavern or an inn. Some sort of shopping. Local industry. There's another one that seems to pop up almost everywhere, and that is religion. A church, a temple. Mm -hmm. Um, How would you tackle something like that? Do you have it pre-planned? Do you keep it very generic? So a lot of the time people go, and the town has, you know, a church to the storm god. You and I lived in a world that had lots of different gods. It's unlikely that we would have a church to the storm God. Uh, More than likely we would have a shrine where you could venerate whichever God you'd like. There was a place to put offerings to multiple gods. So I would just encourage DMS and to remember that like in a multi God world in a, in a pantheon that's loaded with different deities, you don't need to have like the sort of the standard Catholic church in town. That's what everybody goes to. You could have a small building with a number of different niches for the different gods and goddesses that people can come and and say a prayer and and give an offering. We think of things like uh, how Game of Thrones tackled it, where the temple would have the, off, the, the all seven. The seven would be there, yeah. right? And you, yeah, yeah. But in D anD D, like to, there's way more than seven, right? Right. But I would think that a lot of times it falls under a pantheon, like sort of yeah. gods of, um, um, of agriculture, farming, harvest, and law and order well, would might have a, a, a communal temple. Exactly. Just like we said, like, what does the town do and what kind of shops would be there for that town? Give some thought to what these, what type of gods and goddesses these people would worship. If you have a farming community, you might, you might worship a, a storm god because the storm god brings the rain. Okay, so we've touched on a lot of sort of standard fare. Yeah. And we also talked a little bit about when a town has that one unique thing where you're like, why is this here? That's the next, that's my next point is like your town should have, so there are some usual suspects that all relate back to what does this town do? Why is it here? Oh, so the usual suspects are X, Y, and Z. And now give it some character, something unique. Could be anything. But I think every town needs something you know it's got that big standing stone in the center of town and people kiss it in the morning for luck why do they do that maybe it has to do with an old fey belief you know that you're you know kissing the blarney stone essentially like you're going out to kiss the stone for luck and you know the people in the town do that or maybe it's an old set of ruins that rests on a hill which some of the towns you mentioned like uh i think orlane that you mentioned has a temple massive temple i believe yeah Yeah, and salt marsh salt marsh has an old bridge in it and it's from a time past uh it also has a small island that has um some old standing stones on it right off its edge i believe like salt marsh has a number of things uh fandelver or sorry fandolin 
I'm not sure what Fandolin has. It has the old building that the bad guys are. And on. there's ruins through it. It had once been a town and was burned to the ground and it's, yeah. it's sort of started up again. Yeah. I mean, the list goes on and on. Hamlet had the old, um, the, the old moat house, the old moat house nearby, the old ruin nearby. Yeah. So, you know, all these things, if it has that one sort of point of interest or, no, I think it just makes it easy too for players once they've started traveling, maybe visited a couple of villages. It's that key point that allows them to sort of like, oh, where was that? Oh, that was the one with the standing stones in town. Oh, yeah, I remember that now. The old wizard tower, uh, like every all blackened and crumbled exactly. from a spell gone wrong. That's that's probably the party's first adventure. Yeah. Like, go and investigate the old wizard tower, and so that's my sort of suggestions for towns. Think about what they do. Think about where they are. Make sure they have businesses that are appropriate to that and then give them some sort of point of interest. And then the next step is to talk about the people that live there. So you don't have to detail every person in the town. If you buy a product like like the town of Hamlet, it goes into depth about a number of the people in the town. But I think it goes, I think it's overboard. Like, I don't know that you're going to remember everything that that handout gives you. So it's your town. So this is what I would tell you in your town. Assume that the town is just neutral. They're, they're neither for the characters, nor are they against the characters. They're just a neutral town, but make sure that there is someone in the town that is an ally. So let's develop one NPC that the players can use as an ally in the town. Very commonly, it's the tavern keeper or the barkeep somebody in governance or a religious leader um other sort of key puzzle figures yeah and they are they are friendly to the character's agenda so if the characters are there to find out what's up in that ruin they want to know what's in the ruin too and then you have that character as a talking point this is an opportunity to role play and then I always like to put one character in the town that is their foil or their, I don't want to call them the villain. They're not a villain. They just, they don't agree. Like they're not with the party's agenda. So if the party's there to investigate, let's let's keep using that example. If the party's there to investigate that ruin over there, just outside town, this person doesn't want them going anywhere near that ruin. Maybe it's just because the last group that came to town stir up a whole bunch of trouble over there and brought it back to town with them. So I'm going to work against whoever's going over to that ruin. Like it, it can be something as simple as that, or it could be something far more devious. In the case of Hamlet, like there's a few cultists in the town yes. of the Temple of Elemental Evil, and they will actively work against the players. So then you have one person that you know the party can look to help, and then one person that's working against them. Like if you have the time, it's nice to delve a little deeper on those specific NPCs and think about like what's their... What's one thing that they want? And then what's one thing that they're not willing to lose? I think this actually comes from, I can't remember whether it was Matt Mercer or Satine Phoenix. They did a DM tip and I, I picked this up a long time ago from them. And it was like, make sure your NPC, you know, something they want and something that they're not willing to give up or lose. It doesn't have to be a physical item, right? It could be it could be just a you know a way of life or moral code of some a sort. Moral code. Exactly. So so let's look at again, go back to Achaeon. So the mayor. The mayor wants to make sure that his town of Marston continues to survive in this post-apocalyptic world that I've created. So he will do whatever benefits his people. That's what he wants. If, if the party says, you know, we're gonna deal with some of the orcs in the swamp. 
bingo, he's on board. If the party's like, Hey, I'm willing to the party's like, I'm willing to go and uh, get some food back from the bandits that stole food from you. Bingo. He's on board. But what he's not willing to do is he's not willing to let anything Marshton is a secret town. Really the orcs and that in the storyline haven't found it. So anything that will give up the town, it's location away. He's not willing, like he, he will not budge on that. No, secrecy is their survival. Yeah, exactly. And then the knight, the knight that's the bad guy, he is, uh, he is more than willing to help the party accomplish their goals so long as he can sort of keep an eye on it. Like he'll go along with them. Uh, he'll, because he needs that information to report back to Clava. And what he's not willing to do is he's not willing to let the party do this on their own. So if the party just goes, nope, we we have it, all the pieces of the puzzle, we need to be successful, we don't need you, then that's what flips him. That's what pushes him over to, okay, then I'm taking my knights and we're ambushing them at night. No, I think that's good. I think we've covered a lot of stuff here today. Yeah. So we've that's episode two. We've covered towns. We've covered NPCs. Any idea on a couple of uh, topics that are coming up or where we're going to go next? I want to talk a little bit about uh, villains. I think villains is a good topic. Big, a good villains. Big and small. Yep. Uh, villains is something that we need to touch on. We probably need to touch a little bit on magic and how magic works in your world. Okay. I just want to take a minute and say thank you to everybody who tuned in to listen today. Um, I'm Jason from Old Men Rolling Dice here with, as always, with my co-host, uh, DM Jeremy. If you get a chance, tune in for the next episode where I think we're going to touch on villains and threats in your campaign world. Mm-hmm.